name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today's Gospel, Jesus warns us of five enemies. There are five enemies that lurk around us in this world, five enemies that seek to just rob us and choke the joy, the peace, that fulfilled life that Jesus talks about. You know, we could throw that word out around, joy and peace and a fulfilled life. Jesus is either a liar that he really does not want, he just says that. Either Jesus is a liar that he, he doesn't want joy and peace and a fulfilled life, or he wants it. I mean, he preaches about it, he talks about it. But some of us are not experiencing that peace, myself included at times, that joy, that fulfilled life. A lot of us sitting here, we're saying, I don't have peace right now. Some of us are thinking, really, God, this is the life you have for me? This is what you have planned for my life? Is this what life is going to look like for the rest of my life? Because right now I'm struggling. And that joy, that internal peace is not there either. And so Jesus talks about five enemies. So if we're not experiencing that joy, if we're not experiencing that peace, and joy is not like, yes, my life is so great. Thank you, Jesus. Joy, again, is like that internal peace. Like, yeah, the things around me are not so great in this season of my life, but I still have this internal peace that only comes from Jesus. Right? And if I'm thinking to myself, really, God, this is the life. This is it. Because if this is it, I don't know if I want it. Then we should pay attention. Because Jesus says, I want that life of joy for you. I want that internal peace for you. I want you to experience a fulfilled life here on earth not only when you get to heaven. So what are the five enemies that he talks about today? Take inventory. Maybe it's one, maybe it's all five for some of us. The first enemy that he talks about, that Jesus says, this is an enemy. This enemy will steal your joy. It will steal your peace. It will take away the fulfilled life that I have planned for you. He says, the devil. Right? The enemy. In John 10, a different part of the Bible, God is very clear. Jesus is clear. He says the enemy has one goal. He operates in one way. The devil does one thing. Satan comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So he's a thief. He's a thief. Oftentimes I think of the analogy like, if somebody comes in the middle of the night, and everybody is sleeping, and knocks on the door, this person, he's wearing all black, we would never open the door. But how quickly we open up this door for the enemy, who's dressed in all black, a spirit of darkness, and we say, yeah, come on in. Yeah, rob me of my joy. Take away my peace. How does he operate? He steals in two ways. So there's the initial believer. The initial believer is somebody who's new to the faith, maybe just recently baptized, is really given their, is, is thinking about, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. I've been living my way, the, the way that hasn't given me that joy, that peace. I want to start following Jesus. So that initial believer, how does the enemy work in that case? The initial believer, how the enemy works is through skepticism. Through skepticism. Skepticism is that, you know what, God, you have to prove it to me. Prove to me that you're really present in the Eucharist. Or I'm going to do this novena and prove to me that you exist. And then guess what? The novena doesn't, after nine days, God has other plans and that novena doesn't work. Okay, I got to go. No, I have no joy. I have no peace. And... I, I have to get out of here. That's the initial believer. Right? You have to prove it to me. Constantly putting God to the test. And when God, you don't come through. I, must, I was a skeptic already. Then the enemy just comes in. See, God, God didn't hear you. God's not there. Use your intellect that a piece of bread cannot be Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. Come on, you're smarter than that. 
So that's for the initial believer. A lot of us that are here are not initial believers. A lot of us have been pursuing Jesus for a long time. We've given our lives to him. We come to Mass. We truly believe Jesus in the Eucharist. We know the power of confession. How does he operate in that case? We're not initial believers. How does he steal our joy, our peace, that fulfilled life that Jesus talks about? And he works not through skepticism, because we're not skeptics anymore. He works through discouragement. He'll just try to discourage you. Discourage me. Look how weak you are. Jesus, Jesus died for everybody, but not for you. Oh, you're in the confession line again. Look at you. Hoping how he steals, and as a thief, he just hopes through discouragement that he can rob us of our peace. So we just say, man, I'm just so bad. I'm horrible. I'm a disgusting individual. I'm fed up with myself. And guess what? No peace, no joy. We forget about God's mercy, his love for us. We just give up on our faith. We're just completely discouraged. So that's how the first enemy operates. Second enemy that Jesus talks about in the Bible that will steal and choke that joy, that peace, that fulfilled life that Jesus wants for us is through persecution, Jesus says. So through persecution. When we think of persecution, we often think of just the martyrs. The martyrs were persecuted for their Christian faith. They believed in God. And the martyrs were told by their enemies that say that you don't believe in Jesus. And if you don't, we'll kill you. And they were persecuted for their faith and they died. In the USA right now in 2023, that's not our case. We're not at war. Nobody is putting a gun to our head and saying, say that you don't believe in Jesus. What does persecution look like today? It's a very soft persecution. A very soft persecution. Right? What is the soft persecution that looks like that robs us of our joy, that robs us of our peace? The soft persecution is banning some speech. Parents taking away your rights as parents in the school system. It could be you're not woke because you don't agree with this topic. Or it could be just call me by this gender. So this persecution that's constantly, there is a war that's coming at us. It's not a physical war, give up your faith, say that you don't believe in Jesus. But in reality, if you think about it, by just lacking courage, there's a persecution there. By lacking courage, we are kind of not saying, I'm sorry, by lacking courage and not saying what's on our hearts and our minds, it's a persecution. And we are, in a way, saying, I don't really believe in Jesus. I work with people, and I go to school with people, and the professor says this, and, you know, constantly, we're, we're just constantly bombarded with things that people are saying. And when we lack courage, we lose our peace, we lose that fulfilled life, we lose that joy, because we're not operating from the grace of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us at baptism. Courage is not something we're born with. As humans, we are not courageous. But if we have the Holy Spirit, we have God who's operating through us, who says, to the coworker who comes to you and says, "My, I'm living, you know, we know that she's in an immoral relationship. She's completely depressed. And she's just coming to us for relationship advice. And I know in my heart, I know in my heart what she's living is not moral. And she will never experience peace and joy. And I just sit there and I listen to her and tell her, continue that relationship because I don't want to talk about Jesus. I don't want to tell her what I believe in, that she's in this relationship, maybe with a, somebody of the same gender. And I know in my heart, you know, this just doesn't, you know, it's not sitting right with me. 
What does it look like? I could just say, you know what? I, maybe Jesus has other plans for you. I'm not trying to push my religion down your throat. But maybe Jesus has other plans for you. Have you, have you ever opened up your heart to Jesus? I, I do, and I, I go to Mass on Sunday. I find that very peaceful. I find that very loving. You know, have you ever tried that? Do you want to, you know, do you want to pray sometime together? There's a different approach rather than you're wrong and you're committing a sin and how dare you and you're never going to find peace. What about our peace when we just sit there and we don't say anything? We just let people around us live an immoral life. I don't want to call, you know, it's better for me to be quiet. That's a, that's a soft persecution. But brothers and sisters, we always leave a certain situation saying, man, I wish I would have said something. God's not mad at us when we don't say something. But there is that courage from internal, that internal courage, which God says, you know what, I want you to be at peace. I want you to have joy. I want you to operate from the Holy Spirit. So that way you don't lose your joy, your peace, and that fulfilled life that Jesus talks about. So that's the second enemy, is persecution, that soft persecution that we're dealing with. Besides the devil, persecution, Jesus also says there's a third enemy, which is tribulation. Tribulations like a testing or a trial, the testing and trials in our lives make us lose that joy, that peace, that fulfilled life that Jesus promises. Right, that testing, that trial. And so Jesus says uh, this type of seed, right, the tribulation, it was taken up because they hear the word of God, they receive it with joy and peace and fulfilled life, but then it just gets choked. So what, what, pers- what tribulations are we talking about? Tribulations that we're talking about is basically when God has something planned for my life. He tells me by his law what I should and should not be doing. And we just say, well, God, I want to do this. So there's a tension, right? Tribulation, a testing, a trial. There's a tension between, God, what, what do you want for me and what, how you're calling me to live my life versus how I want to live my life. Sometimes we see God's commandments as this oppressive, very annoying thing to do. But God's like, look, I want you to experience joy. I want peace for your, your life. I want you to live that fulfilled life. But you've got to get rid of this thing in your life. This is a sin. And we say, no, 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 Jesus. All the other commandments, all nine of them, I can handle. But this one, I'm sorry. There's a tension, there's a trial. And so when we continuously are, feel that tension... That trial, that tribulation that Jesus talks about, when there is this going back and forth between what God wants and what I want, and we fight him on it, we lose our joy, we lose our peace, and we don't live that fulfilled life that Jesus talks about in today's scripture verses. Believe it or not, for most Catholics, this falls under the sixth commandment, do not commit adultery. Most Catholics say, I don't, I, Jesus, all other nine, God, all other nine, Holy Spirit, all other nine commandments, I'm good with. This sixth commandment about not committing adultery, which is from the waist down, and it has to do with sexual ethics. That one, you know, Jesus, um, no, I'm good. I am actually have more peace by, you know, doing it my way. I have more joy. That's slavery, brothers and sisters. We don't experience peace. We don't experience joy. Right? God is very clear. That every act should be done in marriage, should lead to life. It's not what I want to do with my fiancé and this act before marriage or what happens in my bedroom as a married couple. No, 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 Jesus, we're, we're going to do it our way. Just please stay out of our bedroom. I don't want to focus on the sin. I want to focus on we have no peace when we do that. 
We have no joy. We don't live that fulfilled life. So the devil, persecution, that soft persecution, tribulations, four and five, Jesus just puts them together. The fourth and fifth enemy, Jesus puts them together. And he says that these two also will steal, rob us of our joy, our peace, that fulfilled life that Jesus talks about. He says it's worldly anxiety and the lure of riches. Why? Just basically these two, there's just no room for you, Jesus. So since there is no room for you in my life, then guess what? I experience no joy, no peace, and I don't feel like this life is fulfilled. If I'm constantly filled with worldly anxieties, I'm constantly worried about this thing that may or may not happen after I leave Mass today. Come on, Father, wrap it up. We got to finish up. I got to do this. I got to do that. That's a worldly anxiety. Or it could be five hours or five years from now. It could be me waiting for some test results. There's this constant worldly anxiety. So I'm constantly thinking, I'm anxious of this fear of what's going or not going to happen in the future. There's just no room for you, Jesus, in my life. There's no room because I'm up to here with my level of worry. So no joy, no peace, no fulfilled life. So besides anxiety, he also says money. The lure of riches. If I'm constantly, I'm constantly tempted for more money, more money, more, more money, then I just don't have room for you, Jesus, in my life. No peace, no joy. Come on, God, why didn't this business uh, deal go through? Come on, Jesus, why didn't this go through? Come on, Jesus, come on, why? And he's like, I need you right now. I don't need your business. I don't need your building, plans. I need you. And then we get mad at God, and we lose ourselves. We're not at peace, and we lose in those situations. Right? With money, we've talked about it before. We pursue money either for status or security. If I have this money and I'm constantly trying to get it, get it, get my hands on it, then, and I get that status, oh, look at me, I'm good. I have good status. Or for security. I need this money, I have to achieve it, I gotta get it, I gotta get it, I gotta get it for security. And God wants to tell us who we are and who we rely on to get our attention. So brothers and sisters, these are the five enemies. Some of us fall in all categories, some in one. All five of these enemies are saying one thing. Right, when we fall into these. Basically what it's saying is, I don't want to change. So we're thinking, okay, Father, thank you for the five enemies. Thanks for breaking down the parable. You know, some of this relates to me, but what is it rooted in? What it's rooted in when we fall into one of these five or all five is, I just don't want to change. Basically, I don't want to change, right? I don't want to change from being that initial believer who doesn't want to be a skeptic anymore. I, I don't want to change. I don't want to give you permission to, to help me with my skepticism or the discouragement, right? If I'm falling into discouragement from the devil, I, I, I just don't want to change. I just want to remain in this pity party that I'm having. I just want to remain in discouragement, right? When it comes to persecution at work, I, I just don't want to change. I, I don't want to say anything to anybody at work. I just want to, you know, stay in my lane and just kind of be quiet. I don't want to change nothing. When it comes to tribulation, maybe changing my ways, cleaning up my act, giving Jesus permission to see things how he sees them. I just don't want to do your will in this area. When it comes to the worldly anxieties, I just don't want to change. I don't want to surrender. I don't want to trust in you. I need to trust in myself. I can't trust you. Or the lure of riches. I don't want to change. 
This is how it's going to be. I need to pursue this. These are my goals. I need to do what I need to do. So when it's rooted in this, I don't want to change, we call this repentance, a change of mind. If our mind is set that I don't want to change, we will continuously feel, we will continuously not experience God's joy, peace, or any of that fulfilled life that he's talking about. We're losing when God's like, I want you to win. So Jesus says in today's gospel, right? He says, so what's the answer? He says, gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear and their ears and, and with their ears. They've closed their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and be converted. I will heal them. Basically, when we're saying, I don't want to change, we're closing our eyes. Jesus is like, look, you're at mass today. You're hearing. You're listening. What does he mean? Some, some people are not looking. They're, they have their eyes closed. They have their ears plugged. You're hearing everything that I'm saying. I'm hearing everything that I'm saying. But when we're saying, I don't want to change, I'm closing my eyes. I'm plugging my ears, and I won't experience what Jesus is saying, that joy, that peace. He ends with, I want to heal. I want that joy. I want that peace. I want you to experience that fulfilled life. We can't close our eyes. We need to stop plugging our ears. We need to listen to the word of God and see what it is that he's saying. We need to give him permission. Right? There's a certain surrender. This is the practical. What do I do? Jesus, I give you permission to change my mind. I'm content with three children, but I am open to practicing natural family planning and open to what it is that you want, God, versus what I want when it comes to a tribulation to the sixth commandment. We need to be open to not be anxious. God, give me the graces to do it because I'm a naturally anxious overthinker. I want to change should be our response. I can't do it by myself. I give you permission, Lord Jesus, to let me see, to let me hear, because you're God and I'm not. So brothers and sisters, as we sit here for just a minute, just ask ourselves, am I living this life for me? Because clearly it's not working. Or am I open to Jesus, the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, to open up my heart, my mind, to give me that life which he promised, which is a life of fulfillment, a life of joy, and a life of peace. Amen? Amen.